0: Welcome to Consulting Mastery, where we help B2B consultants master the business of consulting. I'm Carrie,
1: And I'm Ahmed. Join us as we explore the art of delivering outstanding client value, earning a higher income, and thriving in today's marketplace. So the team was talking to somebody earlier today who was considering working with us inside our flagship program, 90-Day Pipeline. And the person said, I have some advisors, business advisors, who have basically said to me, you don't need to pay anyone to learn this stuff. You don't need consultants. You don't need people to coach you or train you. You can do all this on your own. Save the money, do it on your own. What's the problem with that advice? Or do you see a problem with that advice?
0: Well, the first thing I would ask is if the business advisor who gave this advice is in fact charging for their advice. <laughs> that would be my my first question. But maybe I'm just cynical. Um, yeah, I think there are problems with that advice for a couple of reasons. Um, two that come to mind right away. One is I think you can pretty much DIY anything in this world if you have the time and energy to put towards figuring it out. Could I build a house from YouTube videos? I actually know someone who claims to have done that um, or renovated a house because every time something came up, they went and they found the instruction and they figured it out. And in that particular scenario, scenario, it worked well for him because he had unlimited time and he wanted to learn the things. But if you are someone who is trying to move things quickly, that is not your most efficient and effective path. Um, I said two things, actually, I have three. Second reason is that you are going to go out and find, you know, 300 different ways to get where you want to go. And while it's true that any one of those ways is, you know, probably gives you the opportunity to be successful, some are going to be better than others, You're also going to spend a ton of time spinning your wheels, comparing one to the other, trying to Frankenstein together your own version. And again, it goes back to efficiency, effectiveness. And then the third thing that is really telling about humans is that we don't necessarily value things that we get for free. And... As a consultant who wants to go out and charge for your services because you believe there is value there, you know what does it say about you, first of all, that you don't think that other people's expertise is worthwhile? <laughs> and secondly, what level of commitment do you have if the key deciding factor is whether or not you're going to invest? So that's my long-winded first three things that, that come to mind.
1: Yeah, your- I, I share... I want to talk a lot about your last point, but before we get there, I hear this a lot from people, this notion of like, well, I have these advisors, <laughs> you No, know, th- th- these advisors who are telling me this and telling me that. And I just, I really wonder, and it tends to come from people that are a little bit more green in business. Mm-hmm. Right. I really wonder how much scrutiny folks are applying to who their advisors are. You know, because if it's just like, you know, a successful entrepreneur, well, let me be the first to tell you, someone who's just succeeded in business, in any business, doesn't necessarily make for a great advisor. You know, I'm, I'm hoping these advisors are successful in business. I'm hoping that's like table stakes, right? And if they're not, successful in business it shouldn't even be a question right i'm hoping that's the case but just because somebody's successful in business doesn't necessarily give their advice merit i mean i have all kinds of questions around what were they successful at and what kind of business were they in and uh you know what industry and what circumstances did they thrive in you know for example i know a lot of people who are good at business and succeeded in a growing economy who I would never take advice from. They're successful. I don't think their advice has a lot of merit or application to my situation.
0: I agree for sure. And I would also say that quality aside, even the word advisor makes me nervous. There is a reason that an organization is generally going to have a board of advisors. right? You have a board of advisors because you want people who have a certain kind of expertise to bring it to the table But the critical component of that whole relationship is that then you decide. And it makes me nervous when someone talks about their advisor and someone who would say, you know, to whomever it was on our team, my advisor told me not to do this. (laughs) It tells me that either it's an unhealthy relationship between the advisor and the advisee, that's the word, um, because the advisor thinks that they're directing the other person's business. Or that the person being advised, quote unquote, is um, putting far too much, you know, stake into what this person has to say. I'm all for, you know, talk to those folks who you see as successful, who you see as not successful, who have done the same thing as you, different things than you, get the information 100%. But in the end, if you're the person running your business... Be really careful about getting too connected to an advisor.
1: Well, I will listen to advice from anyone.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I will only take advice from a very small handful of people that meet very stringent criteria. So that, that's that's my first point. I think the big issue with this kind of thinking, and it's not uncommon, just notion of, well, could I do it on my own? Do I need to spend the money? The big There's a, there's a couple of big issues. You've hit on both of them. Number one to me, though, is how very hypocritical. <laughs> you know, you go, to, you go out to your clients and you ask them to invest because they, you have expertise that they don't have and you can help them achieve an outcome or result that they can't get on their own or you can help them get there faster or whatever it is, right? But ultimately, what they're investing in is your expertise because they don't have it. Yet when it comes to your own business, when you need to invest in someone else's expertise because you need to acquire a capability that you don't have, you won't do it for yourself. That is to me hypocrisy at its finest, right? And don't be surprised then, right? When you go to the to the market and you put an offer in front of a client and they go, well, I think we can do this on our own. There's a mirroring effect here. And you don't have a leg to stand on because you do the exact same thing.
0: Well, and I would even go beyond that and say it's one thing to say you don't have a leg to stand on. But the reality is that if that's the way that you're approaching expertise, then you're also going to assume that everybody can do what you're delivering for free without you, right? <laughs> and if that's where you're landing, it's not even that you don't have a leg to stand on. You won't even be able to you know, muster up the gumption to have the debate, because you're gonna say, yeah, yeah, you're right. It's not so special.
1: When I was more actively selling our our offer, our solution, I was people make my friends would make fun of me. I would buy everything. I know. You remember. If you got me on a sales call and it like it made sense and like I believed I needed it, I was buying. And the truth is One of the big drivers was I never wanted to be the person that doesn't invest at expertise when I know I need it. I didn't want to give in to the scarcity uh, of, well, could I do it on my own, this, that, and the other? Because I knew that if I'm actively taking my own advice... And then I get on a call with a prospect and they need to invest. I can advise them on how to think about that investment with integrity. Mm -hmm. Hey, I get it. I'm a business owner too. I do this all the time. Here's how that's worked out for me. I've been in your position. And on the flip side, if I'm hemming and hawing at every opportunity, even if it makes sense and it checks all the boxes because I'm afraid of spending the money, then I have no integrity in that conversation. I can't advise them. I can't train them. I can't coach them. Uh, I have no experience to draw from. And in fact, I feel exposed. I feel like, well, that's exactly what I do in my business. So I really can't fault this person for thinking the same way because they think like me.
0: Mm -hmm. And there's a broader mindset behind this that maybe wasn't the point of the conversation. But we know that when you start, a business, you're going to do a lot of things, right? You're going to do a lot of things by yourself. And there then comes certain points as your business grows, where you offload those things to other people, or other systems, or whatever the case may be. And there's something to be said about also just not holding that so tightly. And, <clears throat> excuse me. And, you know, the moment where you can invest in having someone share their expertise with you that is like the leading edge of you being able to start bringing expertise on board whether it is you know via another consultant or eventually when you get to it you know by bringing in contractors or or employees there's a there's a a all-encompassing mindset that this is going to also help you start to develop yeah,
1: that's interesting. I feel like the root cause of this is an undervaluing of expertise at large. And I'll, I'll try to unpack that a little bit. If you don't fundamentally value your own expertise or that of others, it's going to cause all kinds of problems, right? This notion of I'll do it myself is actually undervaluing expertise on both sides. Mm-hmm. It's if you're, if you're, you know, if I'm offering to work with you to say that I can do it myself is undervaluing my expertise and the the, the decades that I've spent acquiring it or, or us as an organization, the collective decades of our team and what we've done in our track. It's undervaluing us, absolutely. It's also undervaluing yourself because to do something that's outside of your expertise on your own, right, to your point, means you're not doing the things that are truly within your area of expertise, right? You're taking time away from what you're world-class at to try to hack something together that you really have no business hacking together.
0: Yeah. That's going to take you twice as long, which is going to be infinitely more expensive, quite likely than whatever it is that that person has asked you to pay.
1: That's not really I mean, opportun- opportunity
0: cost is a very, very real thing that people just don't pay enough attention to.
1: And I, truthfully, i would never really thought about it this way until we had this conversation. I, I think if I if I think back to the many conversations in this vein that I've had, the folks who are really confident in their own expertise, like they really know what they're good at and they value that, have an easier time seeing and valuing the expertise in others. They're they're the ones who come to us, you know, our organization, for example, and say. Listen, folks, I'm really good at this thing and that thing. I'm not good at doing what you guys do and I need the help. So can you help me? It's those conversations. And the folks who are more insecure in what they have to bring to the table, their own expertise, their own value, their own worth, they tend to project those insecurities onto others, including us.
0: Yeah, in a weird way, too, it circles back. I mean, we talk about... Um, niching down often right like almost every episode we have some reference to finding your niche and this, this circles back to that as well because if you think you're a person who can do everything equally well both the thing that you want to go out and sell to the market which should be your gift right it should be the thing that you where you deliver magic if you are internally feeling that you can do that as well as you can I don't know be your own bookkeeper or, you know, whatever the other, the other function is. There's also something there because you haven't narrowed down what is the thing that is your true area of expertise.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If you don't know what you're really rolling class at, then you'll just do a whole bunch of things Yeah, because you're kind of good at everything. But if you really know what your world class set and and nobody can really match you within that domain, you will hesitate to do
0: anything outside of it. So how do you think about when to invest? Because it's also true that, you know, we know that we get several (laughs) offers a day, right? Work with us. We'll do this. We'll, you know, we'll solve this problem for you. Let's talk a little bit about how to decide when and where to invest because, most people most organizations every organization every person I would say doesn't have the ability to just jump on board with everything nor should they because there is generally you know not just money because we're t- everyone f- fixates on the money but the um, the time and the effort and the brain space that is required to get involved with anyone who's going to support you let's just talk a little bit about how to think through that decision
1: I don't know my answer my answer might surprise you Maybe it's just the vibe today. I I think for a lot of people, the answer is do more things. I, I see more people hesitate to invest or to do anything and therefore have zero chance of succeeding because they're not even making moves at all. Then I see people who have tried and failed. The people that have tried and failed have learned from the failures and the mistakes and can use that to better inform their next step in their strategy. The folks who just don't make moves, don't invest, don't try, don't do anything, they don't learn. They just stay stuck. Honestly, if I look at my own experience, I didn't succeed in the early stages of business and this gets a little bit more sophisticated as you as you grow, right? I didn't succeed in the early days of business because I I did a ton of due diligence on every opportunity. No. I did a bunch of stuff and I wasted time and I learned from all those experiences and I got better. I don't know if you like the answer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Not that I don't like it, but I might come at it from a, a, a different angle, which is because I also see people who, to your point, like do waste time and don't need to waste time. How many people come to us, and you know we're helping them work through what their offer is, who their client is, and the first thing invariably that they all want to do even before that work is done is go spend three, five, seven, ten thousand dollars having someone build a website for them, right or go to advertising i you know I, I I hired an ads buyer, an ads consultant. I think that you know what you really need to do is not get so caught up on who got to you first, because that can happen, right? Someone comes to you, they have a good pitch, you jump on board, you're super excited. The question really is, every single day, what problem do I need to solve right now?
1: Oh, see, my, my answer presumed clarity on that. Oh, so no. I'm, I'm <laughs> saying within the scope of problem clarity or bottleneck clarity, once you know, let's say it's leads, for example, right? Let's say I need more leads. Within the scope of that, If you've got some decent lead generation solutions in front of you that look credible and they make sense and you believe they're going to work and all those things are important questions. I'm not saying buy everything, right? But if you've got some decent options in front of you, do it. And then do the next one and the next one and the next one until you figure out what works. Uh, Yeah, by all means, only if you have problem clarity, bottleneck clarity. If you have leads coming in, and that's not a problem for you, but you're not converting enough of those leads, don't buy a lead generation solution. It's probably not a smart idea. Or by the same token, if you've got a good client base and your real bottleneck is uh, lifetime value or referrals, also don't buy a lead generation solution.
0: Yeah. Yeah. and, And, you know, I guess if you're listening to this and you haven't listened to the you're solving the wrong problems, I think it's called episode, then go there. Because so many of the people that I talk to are doing exactly that, right? They are buying into solutions far, too far along the line, failing. But to your point, it's really hard to learn from that because you're not going to understand the lesson that's coming out of it. Because the real lesson is it wasn't the right time to go down that path right now.
1: Well, I like the way you frame that because you need to buy into the problem, Yes. Before you buy into the solution. And, uh, you know, people who sell with integrity will help you with this. We're one such organization, right? We, we turn away a lot of people because they haven't bought into the problem. They say, I like, I like what you guys do. It looks really interesting. I want to work with you. And we go, okay, but what's the problem mm-hmm. that you're solving? Well, I don't really have a problem with this. And then we go, well, then we really can't work together because... Our solution is an investment of time, investment of money, investment of energy, investment of resources. And unless you're really bought into solving a problem, you're probably not going to solve it.
0: Agreed. So key takeaways from this conversation, I feel like we've gone down a few paths.
1: I think a question to ask yourself if you're actively selling your solution, your service, your consulting offer, and you're getting objections i would ask yourself how am i creating these objections <laughs>